Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I am your host, Brian J. Rowan, and with me today we have Michael Snydell. Hello, I'm back. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> he was gone for Annihilation, but he's back for Red Sparrow. That lets you know where his priorities are. We also have Bill Graham. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. And we are recording 8 a.m. Sunday morning, Eastern time. God damn it, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> the day of the Oscars. This is the last day we have before we answer all the questions that have been burning through our minds for the past 17 months. Because that's about how long a given Oscar season lasts. Um, so here we are. We're going to talk about Red Sparrow. Newest film from director Francis Lawrence, starring Jennifer Lawrence, no relation. Uh, before we get into that, all of the usual housekeeping stuff, uh, twitter.com slash show, Facebook, the film stage show, email us, would podcast, be, the film, what, you, what, 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 what's the problem? Would it be really weird if, if they were related? Would it be weird? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, Hollywood Only if it was his niece. nest of nepotism. It would be really weird if she was his niece. <laughs> <laughs> Given the movie that we have today, I think that yes. that would be weird. But like, what if they were like brother and sister, but they just didn't tell anyone? Hmm. Hmm. But why? Why would they do that? <laughs> I don't know. It's elaborate deep state. It's 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 a, it's a uh, white stripes kind of situation. <laughs> yes, it's exactly like the white stripes. Um. Anyway, <laughs> so. I don't even remember what I was going to say now. Uh, podcast <laughs> at thefilmstage.com for your longer thoughts. Uh, give us a comment or rating on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe, that whole nonsense. And um, patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow. Go there. Give us as little as $1 an episode. And you get uh, cool episodes from us. You get access to our Slack channel. You get entered into a bunch of raffles that we have where you can get movies and movie paraphernalia. Again, that is patreon.com slash show, And, of course, we are brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema. Mubi offers you one new film each day. You then have 30 days to watch. So you also so you constantly have a rotating selection of 30 films. Um, for instance, we now have, from Mubi, a wonderful selection of Buñuel's final films made at the height of his fame, including... That Obscure Object of Desire, The Milky Way, and also, okay, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even, I guess it's called Fuck for Forest. It's a 2012 film. <laughs> Let me read you the copy that I have here. The film focuses on one of the I world's most 
bizarre charities uh, based on the idea that sex can change the world. The NGO raises money for their environmental cause by selling homemade erotic films on the internet. If you don't really want to watch, <laughs> if you don't want to watch that movie, I don't know who you are, <laughs> because that is one of the most strange things that I've ever heard of. Uh, so that is coming to movie. So if you want to so watch, I'm sorry, what? So so that's a. You said what kind of charity that is? It's it's. Environmental. It's environmental charity. <laughs> okay, so 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 literally fucking for a forest. Okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. All right. It has a cool ass poster too. Looks like a, a great music festival. <laughs> I am afraid to Google it. Um, so yeah, that's that's coming to movie. So if you would like a free thirty day trial of movie, go to mubi.com slash film stage or yeah slash film stage. Uh, for your free 30-day trial. Um, so that is that. Uh, before we get into our our review of Red Sparrow, gentlemen, it is Oscar Day. I'm curious, do any of you have like an Oscar category and winner that you are particularly like pulling for? Because I'm kind of in a I really don't give a fuck mood. Hmm. I'd like um. to I'd like to hear see uh, Johnny Greenwood get the score. I'm not sure that's going to happen though. That was a fucking fantastic score for Phantom Thread. He, he he pulled out he pulled out St. Vincent to go play with him. So yeah. I mean let's he's he's certainly not going to just simply ride it, you know? He's he's like mm, let, me, let me reach out to some friends. <laughs> <laughs> if if this is going to be my Oscar moment, I'm going to have an Oscar moment, you know? So yeah, I think I think he couldn't have picked a better partner to to kind of sing that song with. I, I assume that she's mainly going to be playing guitar, but um, you know, we'll we'll see. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Look, if if Guillermo del Toro wins for best director or any of the other, if if um, and I, I'm not sure how likely it is, but if Jordan Peele win. Or if Greta Gerwig win, or even if my boy Chris Nolan wins, um, I think that would be amazing. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, if he wins, I think that would be amazing. So there's a lot of people on that list. And Guillermo, as much as I didn't really like his film this year, he's, he's still my ride or die so you know it, it is what it is like I, I would i would love to see that big man be just overcome with joy at winning an oscar because i think i think honestly pan's labyrinth should have won something and i don't even think it i think it might have been nominated but that was about it and i'm i think that's a travesty did it not so, win? I th- i'm pretty sure didn't win for foreign film I don't think it won. No, because he doesn't have an Oscar. But I mean, so well, yeah, that's a good point. But the other part yeah. is that if he does win, he might say something dumb like "Love will save the world," and then I'm going to throw my remote through the TV. Who, who, who did that? <laughs> Guillermo del Toro. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Um. So I- it did win, but it didn't win anything for him. It won best achievement in cinematography. Best achievement in art direction and best achievement in makeup. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Get Out kind of took everything award? last night at the Spirit Awards, right? Yes. Wasn't that the big winner? 
<clears throat> as far as I am yeah. aware, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I like this year. I have a bunch of films that like I'd be okay if they won, and then a bunch of films that I won't be okay if they won. Sure. But I don't have any one person or film in particular that I'm rooting for. Mm-hmm. And um, I've kind of gone a little agent of chaos on it. Like I, when the when the nominations were tweeted out, or you know, when I saw the tweets Tweet, with yeah, them yeah. in them, yeah, I said uh, that I wanted three billboards to win because I'm addicted to shitty think pieces. <laughs> like yeah, it's which is kind of it, so here's the thing though is the last time i felt this like nihilistic about something it was the presidential election <laughs> I, I sent out a tweet that was Brian, like obviously down i was burn like obviously down. i don't want trump to win but i would give anything in my life to make three like three specific people believe for two hours that he had one just because i wanted i have like a couple of very granola crunchy liberal friends and i just wanted to know what their like existential horror would be if he won and unfortunately now i have that wish granted like evil genie style because i can see them on Daily. facebook every day <laughs> and i've also cursed the world apparently so i don't know i really don't have an interest i don't like i guess wait it so it's cool. your fault yeah, it might be. Like, you know, oh. if, if if I am, as I believe, the center of the universe, um, <laughs> then yeah, it could be a problem. He is he is close to Washington, too. I know. He's very close. Chaos magic, wishes are real. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, okay. <laughs> I guess I just really don't want Greta Gerwig to win. Oh, my God. Brian. <laughs> Speaking of evil genies. I was about to say, Agent of Chaos, man. Um anyway, so yeah, that's it. Um let's let's stop talking about the Oscars because they don't matter. Let's instead talk about a movie that does matter, Red Sparrow, the newest film from writer er, <laughs> writer director. Nope. Good segue. Yeah, totally the the greatest segue. Uh this is Red Sparrow, as I said, the newest film from Francis Lawrence, uh the director of the last three Hunger Games films, as well as I Am Legend and Constantine. It comes from writer Justin Haith, and it stars Jennifer Lawrence, Joel Edgerton, and Matthias Schoenarts. And it is the story of a Russian ballerina who after she has a terrible accident that takes her out of the ballet, begins I to... thought you said terrible accent. <laughs> um, nope, not in that part of the review. Spoilers! <clears throat> so, has a terrible accident that takes her out of the ballet, and is then recruited by her uncle to enter uh, state school S4 to become a spy, otherwise known as a sparrow. So here is the trailer. Morning, Mama. What is it? I have to go away for a while. I was told to take a man to a hotel. They said he was an enemy of the state. Take off your dress. And in exchange, my mother would get the doctor she needed. Instead, they cut his throat. There could be no witnesses. So they gave me a choice. Die or become a sparrow. From this day forward, you will become sparrows. All right. So that is the trailer for Red Sparrow. Let's uh, let's talk about it. See what we thought. Michael Snydell. 
What are your thoughts on Red Sparrow? You know, I'm going to start with uh, I, I tweeted something yesterday, and I think it's a good place to start with uh, some brief thoughts. So what I tweeted about Red Sparrow yesterday was that it was almost uh, an admirably unpleasant and unsatisfying experience. Um, and I think that is a good place to start with my thoughts. Red Sparrow is – I mean it's Diet John Le Carr, but it, it's also kind of um, – it's a kind of a perfect emblem of one of my biggest pet peeves, which is a B movie or an exploitation movie that doesn't want to admit it's an exploitation movie and tries to say something larger, uh, whether it's about the, the ways that, uh, countries use, or excuse me, the countries find uh, women extremely disposable or about, uh, the transactional nature of, uh, regimes or any larger themes that you want to divine from this movie, you might be able to do so, but the movie isn't coherent enough to come up with them on their own. Um, I mean, I think that I, I think that it, this movie just was extremely an, it, unpleasant for me. I just uh, I. I didn't find it very entertaining. I think the pacing is pretty baffling. Uh, and I think that the uh, below the line crew, uh, whether you consider, uh, you know, cinematographer Joe, Will- uh, Joe Williams um, and weirdly choreographer Justin Peck, who's yeah. awesome. And it's awesome to see him get a get a movie role. Uh, but this movie is it doesn't fully commit to what it wants to be. The second half is kind of a different movie. Uh, it's badly paced, and I kept dying for this movie to find any sign of life. Uh, and it's just aping a lot of better movies, and it's just it's just not entertaining. I just found it relentlessly dour and really shallow and I want all of these really good actors to do a different movie and Francis Lawrence should get back to B movies that actually want to be B movies. <laughs> okay. Soft pass for Michael. Uh, let's see what Bill Graham <laughs> thought. Bill Graham. Um, sure. The uh, the start of this movie, I uh, m- my friend and I were quickly talking afterwards as we were uh, leaving the theater, and he mentioned that Lawrence's uh, accent kind of really made him angry in the first kind of quarter of this film. And again, I am going to make the pronouncement and continue to reiterate it probably throughout this podcast. I am deaf to accents like just literally deaf um i have no idea when they go in when they go out um unless it's like just like nails on the chalkboard bad otherwise i'm just like uh, i don't know i i guess i don't hear accents for whatever reason so uh bill didn't you wonder why she speaks english the whole movie when it takes place in russia for 75 percent of it 
I he certainly I he brought that up. Like, why don't they speak more Russian? And what I mentioned was, you can do one of two things: either you can speak English and have a bad accent, or you can speak terrible Russian and piss off a bunch of Russians. And I don't think I, I think there's a clear winner in that decision. And I think the clear winner is don't speak terrible Russian. Just try and put on an accent. Here's the crazy thing, um, and this kind of this kind of goes into something that we'll probably talk about the more we talk about this movie. There's a TV show called The Americans, and, and it's amazing. <laughs> oh yeah! First of all, probably the best show on TV now that The Leftovers is gone. Um, shit! Now I'm just thinking about how awesome The Americans is. I can't remember the point I was going to make. Oh, here it is. So, The Americans, obviously. Uh, if you don't know, is about uh, an American couple who's not an American couple. They're actually a Russian couple posing as Americans. They're called illegals. Um, and a lot of the show takes place in the Residentura, um, the mm-hmm. Russian embassy, where the KGB and everyone are like working all the angles behind the scenes while Philip and Elizabeth Jennings are doing all their covert spy stuff. And so they've got this whole thing where all these people should just be talking Russian. So they actually cast native Russian speakers mm-hmm. who could also speak English. But you can do that on a television show because you don't need to have a star in every role. And um, so that's how they got, like, uh, God, what's his name? Co- uh, Costa Ronan and Annette Meandru and all Nina? these other... Yeah, Nina. She played Nina. Um and that's how they got these great, great actors who could also speak Russian, and so they're able to go back and forth. But in a in a movie, you need a star. You can't. There's there's like no longer ever going to be a movie where you can cast a couple of unknowns and have this kind of budget and be able to tell this kind of story, and have them be convincing Russian speakers and then just speak American because or American English um, because. Yeah, you're just it's that's it, running at these levels. You got to have a star, and if Jennifer Lawrence sure. can hit a Russian accent eighty percent of the time, then that's good enough. Um, yeah. As as for your question, Michael, of why she was speaking English the whole time, I I just assumed it was the Hunt for Red October thing. <laughs> where <laughs> if you remember the Hunt for Red October, um, they they are speaking what I assume is terrible Russian, and then it it zooms in on their mouth and it becomes English. And then it just zooms out as though to tell the audience, like just universal translator. All right. We're fucking doing English now. (laughs) And so that's just kind of how I assumed they were rocking and rolling on all the scenes because like, okay, if she's in Russian, she's talking to the Russians, probably Russian, but when she's talking with this guy, English, and then they make her a translator. So it becomes fairly clear that yes, she does have both of those, those skills. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Sorry, Bill, um, Bill Graham, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, I, I, I opened up that can of worms already. Um, <laughs> anyways, moving on. Uh, some, some things, overall thoughts on the film. Um, I think the first half is, is, it does a lot of groundwork that 
I feel like the film never really pays off. Um, the second half is all about the Sparrow program and kind of uh, learning how they can use sexuality. And this film has been marketed as kind of this sexual thriller in a lot of ways. Um, and I think it it pays that off to a degree, but I'm not sure how much it pays that off to a degree just simply because Lawrence is who she is or if this film really kind of follows through with that idea because towards the end of the film, it really has very little to do with the film overall. Um, I think the third act kind of twists and where it goes from kind of a surprising moment and it just kind of slam bangs into the final acts and the final moments. I found that pretty thrilling and interesting. What I would say is a couple of things. A, this very much like a lot of Lawrence's films feels like a remake of a foreign language film that probably was much better. Um, <laughs> it also, because, and I say that lovingly and also kind of as, as a, you know, as a downer as well, because I think, like I mentioned, towards the end of this film, I really think they kind of nail and find something really interesting and and such. But so much of it, whether it's like Rampling's moments as as Matron or some of these other moments in the film that are really, really done exceptionally well, like so much better than the rest of this film, that it stands out. Um and then the other thing that I want to mention is that this film is surprisingly set in like modern times, like maybe early 2000s, maybe late 2000s. I'm not it, quite sure. When is that it's confirmed? Set. I was really wondering this. Uh, well, I mean, it, it, I I can tell you right now, I I am kind of a car guy. I saw a lot of cars. And they did not mask those cars. It's fucking modern times. Man. Yeah, those like th- there's some modern cars. There's a point where someone buys a cell phone from a vending machine. Yes. There's like, flat screen computers. Yeah. Novels from yeah. 2013. So maybe that's when it was specifically set. I'm, I'm not sure when it's set, but this, this, tr- the trailers and all the promotional materials and everything like that does not do a good job of like setting up the time. I was legitimately shocked that this did not take place during the Cold War. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, and, and I've, I've texted some friends cause I, I invited a bunch of people out and they were like, tell me how it is, blah, blah, blah. And like one of my last lines in like my little comment section was like, and it's set in modern times and like universally every single person was like, what? It's, it's set now. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's set now. So that's a, that's a real fucking weird thing to start watching this movie and be like, oh yeah, we're in Cold War. And then, you know, Charlotte Rampling very much is just like like during her moment, she she very much references like uh, Trump being a president right now, and it's just like, whoa, what the fuck is going on in this movie? I did not realize it was set in like twenty seventeen. Yeah. So I, I thought yeah, I misheard a- when she said social media, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like I looked both the ways in the theater. Like, wait, did everybody hear that? <laughs> this is um, this is another funny thing. So like, just, just on that level, I, I listen to the podcasts that they do after every Americans episode, and um, in the most recent season, they took one of the characters to Moscow, 
and they were talking to the production. Are you talking designer. about the? Are you talking about the the? Uh, is this like an FX uh, podcast, or is it uh, like the Slate spoiler special where they do the American? It's the Panoply sure. like okay. thing, which I think is part of Slate. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so. It's really good. You should listen to it after every episode. It gives you good insights and stuff, especially if you're interested in how the stuff that you enjoy gets made. And so they were talking to the production designer and they're like, so how hard is it to like know what to do in in like Cold War Russia during the 80s? <laughs> and they said, the thing you have to realize about Russia during the Cold War is that it was pretty much in terms of like culture and and all like the accoutrements of like daily life 20 years behind america Mm. so like we had to just look for things from the 60s to furnish these apartments and like the cars that we used on like filling out the street scenes and so like it is super weird to have a a quote-unquote modern set country uh, like a first of uh, what we assume to be a first world country like like uh russia but then like the opening scene when she's in her like little bedroom in her apartment that she shares with her mom she's got a television that legitimately yeah. is the one that i got when i went to college in 2005 <laughs> and i was just like when are we what is happening here <laughs> Yeah, th- th- there there is another moment, kind of a key moment, where uh, three and a half inch floppy disks are used. Yes, and my friend who works for uh, what's, what's the big company down here? The big uh, tech company, Texas why Instruments. Why am I? Yes, Texas Instruments. It literally T. has I. Texas in <laughs> I, 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 I know. Uh, he works for TI, and and as soon as the three and a half inch floppy disk, he turned to me and he started <laughs> laughing. And I was just like, I can't help you, man. I don't know why the fuck these things are in this movie. Bill, um, Bill, yeah, I saw, this, this I saw the floppy disks, and I was like, if Bill fucking brings up the floppy disks <laughs> after triple, triple nine, nine. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill myself. Uh, what what uh, else was I going to say? I was going to say one other thing. Um, so the three and a half inch set in modern times. Um, <laughs> Damn it. This is a fun oh, episode. I, 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 I was going to mention that this movie, as much as it's kind of sold as a, as a spy thriller, this was like a very bare bones spy kind of aspect to a lot of this. The spy craft is, it's not James Bond. It's not, it's not high tech gadgetry and all this other shit. It's a uh, cinematic. It's pretty low key <laughs> and it's, it's just kind of like this film isn't super actiony. Um, there's there's obviously a couple of set pieces and things like that. Uh, just and I found one of them pretty damn brutal. But um, it's it's interesting that it's not this super actiony. You know, sitting at two hours and twenty minutes, like it's not not a thrill a minute kind of movie until kind of towards the end. So. It's interesting. But weirdly, like, also a super hard R. Like, the hardest oh, mainstream yeah. R I've seen in a while. Yeah, so, um... I enjoyed this movie. Um, I don't think it's great. <laughs> I kind of... I just... Here, I guess... It's not the Americans. I was really hoping that this would be, <laughs> yeah. like, big screen, lavishly produced episode of the Americans with Justin Peck as choreographer. Um... <laughs> It's not. 
I think that the marketing for this movie did it some disservice. Uh, A, just because we were all apparently shocked that it was in the modern age. <laughs> um, though I, I remember looking at a trailer for it and seeing like the scene where they're like kind of being made to watch pornography, and yeah. saying to myself like those look like modern flat screens and <laughs> and. But, like, I guess, you know, they obviously blurred out the pornography on the trailer. And so I was like, maybe I'm just looking at it wrong. And, like, I'm not the type of person who's going to go back and, and like, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, yeah, pause the trailer on YouTube. Watch it. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I'm not, like, going to comb through. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to assume that I saw it wrong. Uh, I did not because it's the modern day. Um, But I, in general, like, yeah, I kind of I kind of dug this movie. I, I do think... I was really hoping that, like, her cover was that she was a ballerina, you know, and that that's mm. how she was able to, like, travel the world and, and meet and and to have sex with interesting people and get information from them. So it kind of sucks mm. that, like, the, the ballet is kind of just until she gets her leg snapped in half, which is a stunningly brutal way to open a film. Yeah. Um, I actually really enjoyed that whole opening scene. With she agreed. Yeah, she apparently. I listened to a, a, a interview with the director. Sorry, Brian. I don't, no, I don't go want ahead. To jump in too much, but uh, I listened to an interview with the director, and he mentioned that like they spent four months training her and getting her ready for for the ballet sequences specifically, and that like to it, to his credit, he said that. She, it's all her. Huh. They didn't want to use a bunch of doubles. Like, you know, they, he said he didn't want to use the shot from behind where it's not her. And then the shot from the front where it zooms in on her face and, you know, it's, it's only her face. So you can't see the choreography and then it zooms back. And then, you know, they try and play with some kind of CGI thing. He said, no, it's, it, it, they very much wanted her to be in the medium shots and for her to be doing it. So how much of that is is really, really her, you know, can always be second guessed. But according to him, it's it's all her. So I think the choreography that she does and she's on screen doing ballerina shit for like a minute tops. I don't know. But uh, I thought it looked pretty good. <laughs> the cinematography in that scene's pretty fantastic too. Between the cross, yeah. or n- not just the cross cutting, but those wide shots in, in weirdly the back of the stage. Like uh, as you're saying, though, it stage, does look like very on authentic. The floorboards, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it is Francis Lawrence um, can shoot some shit. He can shoot <laughs> some shit. He's I mean his movies are almost uniformly beautiful, or like they're able to get mm-hmm. some good shots. I mean like. When we were talking about doing this movie, oh, so long ago, I remember saying in in our Slack chat uh, with a bunch of the patrons who give us money every month that (laughs) I saw this trailer and I wasn't really paying much attention to it in the theater. And then I saw a couple of shots and I was like, man, that looks like something Francis Lawrence would do. And then I saw that he directed it and I was like, holy shit, it is Francis Lawrence. And I think that like you can say what you want about him, but he has a visual style that you can pick out. He is approaching or could be called an auteur in that way. Um, maybe he's a little more mercenary because his films don't usually have like a similar theme. 
Um, and he, like, you know, three of them have been Hunger Games movies, so make that what you will. But he definitely has a visual flair that that you can that you can do some work with. So yeah, that opening scene cross cutting between the action in Gorky Park and the the ballet is great. But um, then we then we then we lose the ballet, and it becomes a fairly conventional, you know, person civilian dragged into a situation that they can't do trying to navigate their way through it trying to stay safe blah 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 and i found it i found you know it held my interest the whole time um mm-hmm. I, it, like i said it's not spectacular but like there was actually something kind of fun about sitting in a movie theater first of all uh amc you finally got the movie to fill the entire screen Congratulations. <laughs> and masking? Yeah, masking? there was no masking. It just was as big as the entire fucking screen. Oh, no way. That? Edge to goddamn edge. It was crazy. Um so, so what what is that format? It's like two two to eighteen point one or whatever the fuck? I don't, if I don't it, know. If it's shot for modern day cinemas where it's just basically gonna like masking or no masking like regardless i can't i can't Wide screen? it's some kind of form it's 2.39 to 1 oh yeah so yeah. there it is okay anyway um <laughs> so so yeah i mean and as it goes on i love me some joel edgerton i find him to be a an interesting screen presence i even liked him in that god awful whitey bulger movie um <laughs> mary louise parker pops up uh for some weirdness yeah. uh jolie richardson is her mom Bill Camp, who I love in everything, is there. Best line of the movie, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's probably, he's got a Multiple shit ton lines. of good lines in the movie. Um, And so, like, I don't know, just, I, I was I was on board. I would give it, like, a solid 7 out of 10. You know, like, mm-hmm. three and a half stars. I guess, like, I would, I would rate it slightly higher than, than Black Panther in my, in my, this is a fine movie <laughs> category. Um, purely because I found the action in Black Panther incomprehensible, and like the one real action scene in this movie, I found quite comprehensible. I don't know. Yeah, he, he does. <laughs> he does shoot the the violence pretty good. Yeah. Brian, my eyes just went to the corner of the room since you guys are not in the same room as me, and now I'm staring into the corner of the room like I'm staring into the void at that statement you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. So, I don't even Black like Black Panther, Panther that Black much. Black Panther has, damn, has like, diminished slightly in my mind just as I think more about it as a Marvel film. I think it's got a lot of really interesting things in it. But the way I see it is that they're interesting things that are almost divorced from the movie and that I wish had like been brought together to make a better movie. And the same could be said about this because... I almost think that the the best parts of this movie are the parts that are kind of working contra to the actual things that the movie is doing. For instance, the fact that she's a ballerina is like very ancillary to most of the movie. And I just it's like a trend that I've been noticing where we're trying to make our stories fit a specific mold and we have people who are like fighting against it tooth and nail and are thus creating things that are like grander than it it's 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 getting really weird out there in in movie land um but what if also it was 95 minutes instead of 140 minutes (laughs) 
I don't I don't know that that would matter. Um. I, no, I'm saying that's my response to the grander idea about like mainstream. Like I have to agree. There's been a lot of weirder movies that I'm like, what are you doing? Like <laughs> Hollywood let you make this? Yeah. I mean, like, cool. But also like, what if this was just a better, tighter movie? <laughs> Like and yeah, I don't, and that's that's the same uh, way yeah, that I, I would, want. I want the foreign. I want the foreign language. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. And that's kind of how I felt about Black Panther. I was like, I want the non-Marvel version of this. I want like the the like grand, uh, you know, uh, chamber intrigue version of this. Like, I want all of these characters and all of these conflicts sure. divorced from the superpowered suits. I and it's it's because like I said it's becoming a weird thing where you can kind of feel honest to god storytellers bucking against the marketing and like the machinery and I it's it's a weird parallel to draw between the two of them <laughs> these two movies where it's just like maybe if they had less money like maybe if they weren't a part of the studio system like like Bill said maybe if we just had the foreign language version, it would be so much better. Um, so I don't know. You know, like I said with Black Panther, like I've got all these great actors giving great performances tied to this this story that I just can't... I can't like really wrap my mind around the first hour of it and how it pull, pulls into like the second half of it. Yeah. And the action is like kind of muddled, but there's so much good on the outskirts. And then in this movie, I've got Jennifer Lawrence, which is, who's doing fine. And I've got like a modern spy tale, which is great. And I've got the ballet, which is fun. And I've got Francis <laughs> Lawrence giving it like a kind of, he's a lot like, um, Kaczynski. Is that the guy who did like oblivion? Joseph Kaczynski. Oh, jo- yeah. Joseph yeah, Kaczynski yeah. who like, these are two directors who have not probably made ever a great movie. Um, only the Braves, pretty good. I, I caught not that. Seen only the Braves, but I didn't yeah, recently. Yeah, no. But like, <clears throat> but they're two of the only directors who seem to understand like blocking <laughs> and yeah. um, like the power of mise en scène and like depth of field and spatial orientation inside of an action scene, and yet they're still like being being hounded down to like these lower levels. Just in the same way that, like, Ryan Coogler made a boxing movie where it finally felt like people were actually hitting each other for the first time since Raging Bull. And it's just, it's kind of like, it's it's weird that I have to look at this movie and be like, I appreciate the fact that this is like a story that came just from a book and not like a comic book or a television show from 20 years ago. And that um, it appears to end, which is nice. And uh, that. Uh, it's got some stuff in it that you wouldn't normally expect in a movie like this. Hooray. Three but and a half think, stars. <laughs> okay, but I, I think the... Can we transition into spoilers? Because I, I would like to talk about this oh. first hour. Uh, let's 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 talk about the movie a little bit more. <laughs> well, I want to... Uh, all right, all right. We can, I just, we can I, give like another ten minutes to the movie non-spoiler. I mean, here's the thing, though, is like, I really don't... I don't know if I have a lot more to say about it. Um, sure. Because, as, like I said, like from a pure filmmaking perspective, great work. Um, like aesthetically, pacing I thought was fine for a spy thriller. You know, I, I liked. I, you know, one of the problems I had with Atomic Blonde was the fact that it was just like breakneck to the point that I didn't have any idea what the hell was going on. 
this is a much more clear narrative. And it really... Yeah. This is, is better than Atomic Blonde. I will give you that. <laughs> this is a lot better than Atomic Blonde. Um, and, and also, yeah, I, sh- I guess I should like clarify. When I was talking about like it's Black Panther and how it's slightly better than it, I was purely talking from the aesthetic, like hanging in there and understanding where everyone is in a room type of thing. I, I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna, what was I gonna say now? Aesthetically mm. fine. Oh, it's less, a, it's less a spy movie and more of like an escape movie. Yeah. Sure. It's, um, I, I, it reminds me of those movies where someone is a hostage and is trying to like negotiate their own release. I was thinking about Marathon Man a decent amount, mm-hmm. especially with, I mean, that first sequence feels very reminiscent of Marathon Man. Bill, what were you going to say? Interesting. It's interesting because uh, there's a moment in this film where... Uh, hmm. No. See you, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. You got, you got me. <clears throat> Damn. Um, I don't know. Like, th- this movie is marketed as, as kind of that, that sexual thriller. And I'm not sure what it's trying to bring to the table in that regard beyond like the sparrow program which i mean it, did y'all feel like that was really kind of followed through that's that's kind of a non-spoiler like way into this discussion that i think some people might be interested in i think if you're is, if you're coming into this movie looking to get like titillated and see a lot of like good old-fashioned early 90s r-rated sex on screen you're going to be disappointed yes yeah, but that makes but that's the thing though because parts of this do feel like that. Like I I do get the sense that there is a layer of like prestige gloss and as you're saying, Brett, like I am not going to quibble with like aesthetically. I mean aesthetically I don't think that the sexual stuff is handled in an interesting way. It feels kind of non-committal in terms of the thematic ways they could go for it. Like they they could make it far more uh, they could make it far more campy and try to make it more of an erotic thriller, or they could have also concentrated on the horror in a more specific way. And I found this in the middle, at least as it relates to sex. Violence is another story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that is kind of my – this is what I specifically want to talk about, Bill. And I guess I can do it a little bit before we get into spoilers, is that – I have trouble divorcing some of the more interesting things about Spycraft and the way Jennifer Lawrence's character changes with the fact that we spend so much time only on her ability to seduce and how much time we spend with that compared to other parts and even... Brian, going back to what you're saying, even when I compare this, I'm not going to make this an Americans Love Fest, but when I compare that we even to... We can make to, an Americans Love Fest. I have no problem with that. Even if we compare that to the Americans, mm-hmm. it's not too much of a spoiler to say that, like, the Americans deals with some of some similar themes here. It does, uh, yeah. And about, like... Yeah, sorry. Dividing your personality into working for the state and your own identity as like a family and your own identity as a a wife or husband, um, respectively. And like, I think about how all of that was handled. And I understand this is a, that was a TV show over five seasons, but I don't think this puts in the work at all to make a lot of that exploitation 
feel in any way earned or feel less like a peep show. And am... go, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, no, well, go I was going to say, I, I so <clears throat> there's a thing in movies that doesn't happen anymore, which is um, showing uh, adult sexual relationships. Sure. Um, which is kind of weird uh, that that that's a problem that we're having to get uh to like just to have have like adult sexual relationships in film. It's really strange, and I I keep I keep waiting for the movie that breaks us out of this weird chastity. Um, I was sort of this this is like I was sort of hoping that Fifty Shades of Grey would do that because um, I thought here's a here's a movie no totally that has fair built in audience that's going to make a lot of money. And they can therefore afford to do whatever they want. And what they did was, I guess, lean into the terrible plot. Um, I only saw the first movie, but I found the sex in that to be no more extreme than anything that you could see on something like FX. Um, not even sure. as like intense as some of the sex scenes that you'll see on an HBO show. Um, and this movie, yeah. I kind of was hoping for the same thing. Because... It, we just like don't show sex in movies anymore and yeah. i find it really really strange especially in a movie like this where you have a person who has been brought into a state institution where they constantly say like get rid of your pride get rid of your ego you your body belongs to the state the state has nourished you this movie also makes me wonder like how much did russia actually change after communism fell because their addiction to the state is still pretty hard in this movie um in fact there was a new york times article that i only read the headline of yesterday and it said um that putin wishes that like uh communism had never failed or had never fell and uh that most russians agreed with him so apparently this is a mindset you know the whole mother russia thing <clears throat> that is still really appealing to people. But anyway, so you have this whole section of the film where they're like beating the individuality out of her and turning sex into a weapon. And she is obviously not cool with it. She says in a very like icy tone that like her uncle sent her to whore school mm-hmm. and she like refuses sort of to, to really like give in to this. this Literally called whore school. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and so... I think it would be interesting if you showed if you showed her using that skill but then like perhaps actually like having a real relationship and that would be a way where you could finally show that like you can use sex in a movie for character building on top of just extreme trauma voyeuristic yeah, like it's it's just so weird because like I've seen more rapes in film than I've seen like agreed sex, which is just awkward yes. and strange. And then like you get something like um, Blue is the Warmest Color, where it, the movie is so intimate. I still have nightmares where I'm just doing nothing but watching all the scenes in that movie where people eat, where the camera is three inches from their face. <laughs> And I can see every goddamn bite that they take. And then it smashes out to like a long shot when they're having like their marathon sex. And I'm just like, well, this is just you've completely abandoned your intimate yep. aesthetic to try to like be vo- like really, I don't want to say titillating, but like gross and vulgar. And you should have just kept sure. the camera up close so we could see their face and like the dawning realization of the happiness that they found with each other. And in this movie, I was again expecting 
here's the cold calculating sex and now oh is like this actual like pleasure because of an emotional connection mm-hmm. you know what is real what is fake like it's only coming out in the bedroom scenes because everywhere else it has to be spycraft but it's not and it's it's kind of blowing my mind that like yeah we're so fine with people getting shot in the head and being flensed and this we're is not such cool. a violent movie it's insane yeah <laughs> it's it's really violent I'm really only for um, like I, I do wanna... two minutes yeah <laughs> sure I, I do want to mention a couple of things I, I think it's interesting because you, you're absolutely right that um, Fifty Shades of Grey definitely dropped the ball and I think I think that has to be reiterated so much because I really think that Fifty Shades of Grey should have been an HBO series and it would have been a little bit more allowed to just have fun with that aspect of the BDSM style stuff. And can you imagine just gone for Bill? It. Can you imagine if like Alan Ball, who did like True Blood, had been able to adapt mm-hmm. Fifty Shades of Grey? Well, and, and I mean, True Blood was obviously kind of a one of those films where they had a lot of fun with the sex yeah. in that in and that the show. Weirdness. And mm-hmm. yeah, and you know whether it was called Fang Bangers and and all of this <laughs> other right. shit. And so, like, like <sighs> that's that's the reality of what Fifty Shades of Grey really should have been. It should have leaned into its campiness. It should have had a lot of fun with the sexuality, and instead we just got kind of a neutered version of it. And it reminds me of how we have done action recently and some of the trends that we keep seeing kind of crop up. And part of it is like the long takes and things like that. Mm -hmm. But part of it is also like just the stylization of violence today has gotten so interesting and so weird because we get a movie like dread or we get a movie like john wick um john wick or even um uh, what am i thinking the, the the movie that is compared to dread because of the setting the raid um oh yeah yes the raid where we see these people and we're just like our jaw is dropped based on just the action, mm-hmm. right? Just the choreography and the action and the way it's shot and our jaw just hits the floor. And that should have been 50 shades. That should have been 50 shades of gray for, for sex on screen. Yeah. We should have just been like, holy shit, this is intimate and it's erotic and it's, and it's this and it's that. And instead we just got like, okay, that, that was nudity. I, I guess they looked like they were enjoying it. Like, I don't know. Like, like, and, that's what this film almost kind of wants to do in a way and it never commits to that and i feel like that's part of the marketing of this film was that it was a sexual kind of thriller and spycraft and yeah you know again to he preys on the americans but the americans does that in such an interesting way. The Americans... Whether it's giving people, like, mm-hmm. actual relationships that conflict with their other relationships and all of that shit. Like, that stuff really... And it has the time... And, and I, I hate to compare it to TV because, obviously, TV has a shit ton of time and, you know, arguably, Americans has too much time as well. But um, it, it has the time to kind of develop that. But at least... At the very least, it goes for that aspect where this film and so many other films like it just don't even bother. Yeah, it's it's really crazy don't. because, like, like I said, like 
in 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 so far as like I've t- I, I talked about like this and and Black Panther is like being films that are like adjacent to much more interesting ideas but take the more conventional route. Like mm-hmm. this this movie, the truth of feelings comes out in violence in this movie, whereas like given everything about it, you'd think that it would be the opposite, that it would come out during sure. the sex scenes. And yeah. it's weird that like we spend so much time in the Sparrow School hearing that, and it seems to be setting up that theme of, like, you know, the matron who's played by Charlotte Rampling uh, with icy perfection. Um, puzzle of need is the that phrase they keep using. Right. You, every person does a puzzle of need, find the missing piece, and you can become it. And then, But then also just, like, her whole, like, strip out your morality and your ego and your pride and, like, you know, you have to give yourself to whoever wants you. But it would be, it, it, like, all of that seems to be setting up the conflict of what happens if you actually fall in love and like how do you deal with that and it it doesn't and um uh yeah screw it let's just keep talking about how great the americans is the americans (laughs) like they constantly are doing stuff like this on top of other stuff and the whole puzzle a need thing you know they befriend lonely people if the people are lonely and need a friend they will sleep with them if that's the Mm -hmm. best way to get information there is a haunting I think it's the final scene of an episode where Philip is talking to Elizabeth. There, if anyone hasn't seen the Americans, is this in a car? Shut up and and go see the Americans. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think it's. In, I think he's sitting on the bed and he's talking. He has he has a very distasteful mission that he is on. The target of his seduction is making him uncomfortable. Um, and he's talking to Elizabeth about the training that he had to go through. Basically, like in in the Sparrow School, kind of where he was taught to sleep with anyone, um, and they show just the 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 parade of different people that they sent into his room mm-hmm. that he had to be with, and it's like you know, here's like a, a woman, and here is an older woman, and here is an incredibly obese man. And it's just like they show it again and again and they don't have to show him doing anything with them. But you have this present day Philip with his tired eyes and his dead voice. And then you see him as a younger man standing in this room as all these different people are brought in. Mm -hmm. And you really get to understand the way that that is drilled in. And then you see the difference between the way that he's having sex with his marks and the way that he has sex with his fake wife who's now his like real wife who he's actually in love with and you can see the like escape that is available through actual loving intimate contact that keeps you grounded and lets you know that you're still alive and capable of something more mm-hmm. I, I think that, that uh, should have been in this movie <laughs> well it, it's interesting because even charlotte rampling mentions during sparrow training and and after this we can kind of transition into spoilers so we can really kind of talk about some of the spy craft that's that's implemented but it's interesting because rampling mentions to lawrence's character she's like you keep choosing males so you don't have to really really go all in oh no she said um a boy like you're you're choosing you chose a boy so you don't have to go all in because like you don't want to you want to be able to stay in control Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I think I think it's interesting because, you know, there is that dynamic of we don't ever see her seduce a woman. 
even though we do see seduction of a woman by another woman mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. folded into it at, at a certain aspect. But I think it's interesting because they, they just touch on that enough. And I think hearing you mention it and say, boy, I think it's more, more directly like she doesn't, she doesn't have to give over control. And I understand what, what Rampling's saying there now mm-hmm. a little bit more, but it's also, you know, point blank, she mentions a boy. And I think it's interesting that we never see her interact or, you know, do that kind of spy craft with another woman. She never has right? to make herself vulnerable. Yeah. yeah like she, she, but, she I mean, specifically part of like that- rebuffs him. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. she knows that he's and, and, a mark that will be more attracted to that. Yeah, and, and I think part of that is just simply the control of this character and her rejection of horror school in general, you know. But uh, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting because yeah, it it tries to play lip service to it, but ultimately does it does it fully commit to that? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And. And I'm not sure it is a a product of this film or a product of Hollywood in general. And I think maybe it's Hollywood in general where they just don't feel comfortable even going for that kind of intimacy and stuff like that. I, th- I think the last thing I want to mention briefly before we go into spoilers is that related to this, I also just found myself so consistently disappointed with how this almost feels like – this is going to sound weird. America propaganda at, by the end. Like the Russian state is portrayed in such a, a convoluted and like one sided way so that you don't really have a sense why Jennifer Lawrence would ever have loyalty to the state other than like oppression, which isn't really focused on enough that it actually makes sense until you see like, you know, some graphic violence or something like that. That is the weird thing. So they don't have that intimacy, but they also aren't really interested in exploring, uh, you know, the, the kind of contradictory relationship someone has with their country. Like it's missing both of those things for me. And then there's also a long subplot about American CIA that, isn't nearly as interesting. <laughs> it's, it, it's kind of, and I guess this is the part where I ha- after like seemingly bashing the movie for nearly an hour, I have to come to its defense a little bit. Uh, but let me bash it again first. So <laughs> the, the Americans, issue have, the issue that I have in this movie is that like in the cold war, the, the, the differences between America and, and Russia could be summed up as capitalism versus communism. And that's sure. Fine. That's enough. Like, I understand that conflict. Russia is now a, to an extent, capitalist country, um, even if it's only insofar as the gangsters can become a lot richer now. Sure. And so I'm not 100% sure. Like, the matron at some point says something like, you know, the West is weak, it's fractured, it's like got racial and political divides and so russia has to like stand forward and become like a world leader but it's like it's not saying towards what or for what end Mm -hmm. um so i don't quite understand (laughs) the conflict between the two countries um they talk a lot about the president without ever saying president putin um though i just assume that it's him and i I guess like i really just kind of need i want to know you know, especially in a spy movie, like, well, what is, 
what is the problem? Like, what is the the, the issue? Like, we, sure. The, the whole movie is set off because Joel Edgerton is trying to protect his source. Yes. Who is in state security. And he says at some point, like, this is a guy who saw it was going on and didn't say, like, it wasn't my problem. But, like, what is what? <laughs> Like, what, what is the thing that the guy saw? Like, what information did the guy give over that damaged Russia so much that they need to find who he is? Well, I think that's and, the um, weird thing is it, it might be the state sparrow school. So knowing that, like, the movie is both reveling in it and not really – like, it's having it – you know, it's having it both ways a little bit. Like, that's what at least I gleaned from it is that – him being aware of the Sparrow and how far they're pushing people and, you know, taking away their dignity. Like, that's what I I guess we were supposed to take away from that source rebelling against. But again, like the whole movie as it exists is also like a glorification of that in a weird way. Yeah, especially because, like I said, they don't really have her like rebelling against it in any way, but like... Dear God, get me out of here. I don't want to be here. <laughs> like, and who would? Um, but I will say that, like, it, it, for me, once I kind of figured out that the movie was more interested in her than in anything else, it became easier for me to simply, like, watch it and, like I said, view it as an escape movie, like, as a hostage situation where she's, like, trying to negotiate her way out. Um, and then, uh, in spo- I, I guess we should we should get into spoilers. Who wants to talk spoilers? Woo! Yeah, all right. So we're going to talk spoilers for Red Sparrow. Um, despite everything that I've said, I still think this is a fine movie. <clears throat> it's not. It's uh, you know, it's fine. <laughs> I can't yeah. I can't even think of anything to say beyond that. Um, aesthetically beautiful, with some some decent performances. <clears throat> And uh, yeah, so let's talk spoilers. Um, what I was going to say is I never, I never once, even briefly, believed that she wasn't fully willing to defect. Same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It, it, it's interesting because, and I, I mentioned to, to my friend, that the chase that this movie kind of sets up is this interaction between her and, and Joel Egerton as the CIA agent. And, and within minutes of meeting each other, they kind of like, so she tracks him down. She does the whole pool sequence, blah, 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 blah. She even dyes her hair. He notices that, she's dyed her hair he also mentions that he's never seen her at any of the embassy things because she's uh standing in as a translator and once they interact at that embassy her cover is completely blown and then she's just like yeah i hate my uncle like like and you're just like what the fuck is this movie like i thought this this whole thing was gonna be them trying to like just shoot past each other and and he's just like so your uncle puts you into sparrow school huh and she's just like yeah i hated it it's, and it's so it's <laughs> what the fuck is this movie? it's so weird because like, where like, are we going you from would here think that the movie would then make all of the russians her enemies like, sure. at least in in tone <laughs> but um yeah. but that never really happens like it's it it felt 
I couldn't figure out if the movie wanted me to believe that she was ever going to that it was ever like a question. Like, is it you a know, house of like, game situation? <laughs> it's it's the strangest thing because like I, as soon as she wrote down her name on that card, I was like, oh okay, so that's like that's her way of like letting him know what her whole situation is, so that he can maybe help her. Mm-hmm. And and like everything she does, like there's a point late in the movie <clears throat> where she is captured and toy- tortured, and she said toy- like tortured. this is this was the only way for him to like really trust me. And now he'll tell me the source, and I'm like, is the source worth all of the stuff that she has like put her superiors through? Yeah. And I again, not not knowing anything about what he's told them, it's hard to say. I'm just like, at some point, like, this girl becomes more of a liability. But even at that sure. moment, I was like, but that, I still don't, as the audience, I still don't think that she is not on the side of the Americans. <clears throat> the only thing that's holding her back for me is just the safety of her mother. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and she very obviously cares about her mother deeply. Um, but, and and that's the classic kind of okay, I, I'm willing to do this, but I have this thing holding me back the entire time. And that I think the film plays that a little bit, but it doesn't play it as a note that is really holding her back, except for every now and then they'll show her thinking about her mother or show her interacting with her mother because she interacts with her mother throughout this two-hour, 20-minute movie about four or five times. And so they intersperse it every 20 to 30 minutes or so you Mm. know and so they at least do a a decent job of kind of setting that little nugget but for the most part you're just like okay like the only reason that she's staying with russia at this point is just her mother like otherwise she would have she probably would have killed herself by now or she would have just done something else. Yeah, right? like that's like, the thing. Like just given in <clears throat> without communism there as like an ideal for like an ideologue. Like I really don't understand what what she could what what she has that she cares about in <laughs> Russia outside of her mother. Well, and 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 the Americans even kind of plays with that as well, doesn't it? Like I mean, well, yeah, because Elizabeth is like, with- holy shit, I love communism, and Philip is like, yeah, but I like how I sure. can always eat in America. <laughs> Yeah, and and even even some of the uh, people at the at the embassy, right? Uh, you know, we see them interact, and they kind of like look around at America, and they're like, oh, "This is amazing." Yeah, Oleg. Oh my you know? god, and, when Oleg is introduced, like in the second season, yeah, and he's oh, just like fantastic. listening to yeah. Rod Stewart and talking about going to see the, like the Capitals play, and yeah. what he's going to go to I a Blondie it. concert, I think. Yeah. yeah. like like they really lean into it where where you know you let them outside of 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 their surroundings and all of a sudden they're just like holy shit this place is amazing that's why they and yeah they really have to play up like the concept of like the decadence and opulence of capitalism and look at the class divides Mm -hmm. like we may all be poor but we're all poor Mm -hmm. like in america the fat and the rich are stepping on the working man yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, it's it's interesting that they they really don't do a good job of like selling Lawrence as anything but a defector. Yeah, I mean, right? um, and that's that's my thing. Like, I, yeah, if if you look at the movie in that way, it makes a lot more sense. And I wonder if it's supposed to be looked at that way. But we just got like, once again, damn you, marketing! Like you threw us again. 
Mm-hmm. Because, like, I, again, like, the second that she wrote her name down on that card, I was like, oh, she wants to get the fuck out of here. And who could blame her? I, I, I don't... Uh, did she, though? I don't know, but I assume like, she did, because everything that she does in the movie is no, for... No, that the, ending. What I'm, yeah. what, well, what, what I'm saying, though, is I thought, I thought she wrote her... Her, her her real name at first, and that's what she scribbles no, out. No, she scribbles out Katerina. Yeah, she scribbles out her and cover. She writes in Dominika Igorov. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't catch uh, that. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I I knew. I knew she was writing one instead of the other, and I didn't because all these fucking Russian names <laughs> kind of blend together. This is why you're, if you're like me and you and watch a lot of Russian cinema and read a lot of Russian literature. You got to be up on it. But yeah, no, she writes down her given name, yeah. not her cover name. And at that point, That's I was dumb. like, well, yeah, she just okay. blew her entire fucking cover. And the only reason she would do that is to try to get out. And meanwhile, she tells them, it's like, well, if he knows everything about me, then he'll trust me. And I'm like, true, but I don't believe that you have any reason to sure. want to stay. So you have to get out. And then like, we see at the end all of the stuff that she has done implementing her spy craft to make uh, make her her uncle take the fall Mm -hmm. which is i thought i was like all right good work i enjoy that yeah yeah that like from from basically when uh why can't I remember her name? I can't remember anybody's name. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence? The uh, Weeds. Uh, Mary Louise oh, Parker. Uh, Mary Louise Parker, yeah. Yeah. As soon as she gets got, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this movie? Holy shit. And, and the movie all just kind of changes from that point on because at that point you're like, okay, everybody's sailing pretty good. Like, like Lawrence is going to get the fuck out of there and you know, everything's going to go well from this point on. And then she gets killed and it's not just that she gets killed, but it also blows her cover in the way that she gets killed Mm -hmm. because she's like retreating from people that are like trying to hunt her down. And from that point on, I wasn't sure where this film was going and the way it kind of twists and, and turns on itself i found really interesting and and really fun but that's like the last 20 30 minutes of this movie Mm. and everything else to that point was just me constantly second guessing why they were doing the things that they were doing and i was just like i don't like i really don't get this movie i'm not sure where it's going and then it does that and you're like Okay, that was clever. <laughs> like that was good, um, especially comparing it to something like Atomic Blonde or some of these other, you know, uh, films. I think the set design or production design is actually Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy again. Yeah, um, that's how it feels. And so, like, like the movie does a good job of giving a a easy to understand double cross that isn't like you can't really poke a bunch of holes in it and it's just like okay it's smart like like that's 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 both the highest compliment that i can pay it and also like looking around at other films that try and do this is also kind of depressing because it's like why can't y'all just 
like just dumb it down just a little bit so it makes a little bit more sense instead of me having to like twist the knots to understand like what the hell y'all are doing. Well, that's that's kind of like what I appreciate about this movie is that it has like the focus necessary to tell a single story well, um, mm-hmm. which is like another reason that um in in uh, I guess I'm just gonna keep talking about Black Panther for some reason. Black Panther was felt so much better than like a normal Marvel film because it was telling one story and it had very clearly delineated characters and in a world where we have like like for fuck's sake like I liked Winter Soldier or not Winter Soldier Civil War but like there was so much going on in that movie oh, and yeah. I'm just like your brain kind of like seizes up and it's just like I'm just gonna stop paying attention until I hear a trigger word that lets me know that I have my bearings and like i'm just gonna hold on and just like let my eyes glaze over until someone punches someone else and then i can realign my spectrum of who is like against who and like you never had that problem in black panther in this movie you just have america and russia and it's all so simple that you can kind of like you should be able to like drill down into character um which it doesn't as much as i would like it to so but it I'm fails. Still, <laughs> but I'm still able to track everything, and I'm still able to like sit here and like hope for an outcome that like my two attractive leads find like agreeable. Um, and I that was good enough for me. Like I liked the scenes of Joel Edgerton and Jennifer Lawrence together. I um the worst sex I, scene I've seen in a long time. Yeah, that was the worst part. <laughs> is that like. 35 I seconds. I won't call it the worst I've seen in a long time because there have been some pretty yeah, you're shitty right, sex scenes. You're right, you're right, you're um, right. My favorite is like like the, the kind of the room one where it's very obvious that like the two people were not comfortable with their genitals, genitals being anywhere near each other. And so like the guy is just kind of like on her stomach. Anyway, not a problem in this movie. Um, I think the, it's it's also funny because like Cold War or like you know Eastern European spy like sexiness is hard because you have to wear so many layers. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a James Bond film where he's like on a beach in a speedo and the woman is basically like nude sunbathing, because here it's like I am wearing a shirt and an undershirt under that shirt and then a sweater and then a puffy vest and then my overcoat and then I've got my infinity scarf and my hat and my gloves. Um, also I have on, uh, pants and long johns under those pants. And then I have, um, calf length, uh, knit wool socks that I pull up over that and snow boots. Don't shame anybody, Brian. I'm not, you know, that you could be into that. Maybe like you have like a present fetish and the longer you have to like take clothes off of someone, the more you're like harassed you get. I don't know. But it's just funny because like you have to do a lot of seduction with your eyes in that case. And I think that that's one of the reasons Mm -hmm. Jennifer Lawrence was well cast for this because she's got some great eyes. And uh, same with Joel Edgerton. Uh, Okay. Anyway, I seem to have fallen down a hole. Okay. So let's... I, I want to make sure I understand uh, a couple things because a couple things completely baffled me. Okay. So the Americans assert that Jennifer Lawrence is trustworthy through a lie detector test. Yes. And they seem to figure out everything about her. 
And then she goes back to Russia and they never do a lie detector test on her. They beat her. Yeah, but she she already she already passed the lie detector test when she when he asked her point blank, did you have sex with, with Agent No no, no. I meant Nick. I meant whatever. the Russians never gave but her I a think lie detector. I, I know, but I think what, I'm, what I'm saying is a lie detector. Yes. That's what I'm saying. <sighs> All right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Also, uh, I just I can't believe that I, I had a real difficulty with the idea that Russia is you know Big Brother and was watching everything. Like you consider what happens with her roommate, uh, which I thought was like relatively interesting that relationship and like the the weird sense of like resentment they have towards each other for both having to be sparrows and but anyways my point being that like so we're supposed to believe that russia is big brother and that what she says to uh her uncle is then goes through the grapevine and then gets her roommate killed but then we're also supposed to believe that she is like I don't know, seems to so obviously be working for the other side. Like, it's like there was a real, a real strangeness to me in the sense of how everything involving the Russians involves like this incredibly convoluted, uh, complicated map of like uh, choices and decisions or sorry, not choices of of things that she has to follow. And then with the Americans, it's just like, ah, we'll just kind of wing it. Like, everything is just kind of like... Improvise beyond are like the a cool surfer guy with sunglasses on, and the Russians are like Principal Rooney. I, yeah, but like that is not satisfying. Like that doesn't make sense to me that we're supposed to at once believe that those two dichotomies exist right next to each other, and that she just gets away with it. Like there's something so bizarre and like cartoonish about that quality to me in the sense that we are supposed to constantly be scared of the Russians, but they also seem to be totally unaware of what's happening right under their nose and trusting and trusting Jennifer Lawrence only because she is the niece of this security official. Like that was a bridge too far. I feel like the, the only movie that's ever done the spy thing, like the only modern movie I'll say that's ever really done the spy thing. Well, is uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Um, because that is a movie that had like the, the, the chilly Cold War like aesthetics to really like bring you into this cavernous world of spycraft. But it also had the patience and the time to kind of show you the way that it fucks with every relationship that you have and like can utterly destroy you as a human, even if you're not getting shot at. Um, I suppose I should watch that movie. It's I, I like it a lot. Uh, Bill, what do you think of it? Too complicated. It, I remember the press screening. They gave you a booklet basically showing you all the different like interweavings and giving you names and verbiage <laughs> that you had to try and like remember. Like, like here's here's what the jungle means and here's what this means and, and this name means this. And I was just like, what the fuck is this movie? I have to read a novel before I see it. It is definitely and a movie so, that you have to like really pay attention to. Um, that's kind of amazing, honestly, that yeah, press screen it's, thing. It's, it was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, like that movie, like it, it kind of, it, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're running a spy 
and their job is to at all costs like attain the trust of a mark then you have to be comfortable with them like really appearing to be fucking you over to the point where you have to like question how much they actually like they they actually are fucking you over and i don't really i don't really know how to like how does one really do that <laughs> like how do you yeah. how do you balance that out like the best like it, it's a blind trust that i'll never understand and so like in every spy movie i'm i'm usually constantly like i'm just going to assume that everyone hates everyone and that should have served me really well with um atomic blonde but somehow that movie was so convoluted that it even like short fused my cynicism and i it was like i don't even i don't i just at this point i just don't care <laughs> yeah Mm-hmm. But in this movie, like I said, it it's kind of weird like for a spy thriller like how straightforward it is. Like how much it really does appear to just be like Jennifer Lawrence wants to get out of Russia. She does not like anything yeah. that's happened to her since her leg got snapped in half. Mm-hmm. And um who can blame her? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, like I mentioned, like as soon as as they interact and and he's just like, "So your uncle sent you to Sparrow School," and she's just like, "Yeah, I hated it." <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck's going yeah. on. <laughs> and that's the thing is like, it's it's hard to know. Like I, I think I've said it like three times now, but it's hard to know like how much the movie wants you to be aware of the fact that like she has no love for Russia because when you look sure. back on everything that she has is doing, like she goes to Vienna. To open up a bank account in her uncle's name, like that's fairly early on. Yeah, so she's obviously like constantly had this plan, and that's mm. one of the parts in the movie where her spycraft really comes in because she's like, if I go into this place, they're gonna have me on camera, and so instead I will show up and I'll bat my pretty eyes because again it's super cold and I'm wearing twenty seven layers at like the the manager guy. And then he'll help me. We can do it at a coffee shop, and I can leave the papers with him. Um, yeah. And I can in, I can indict my uncle for spycraft, and and then he can get shot in the head on a tarmac. Um, it's kind of. I, I should say though, Jeremy Irons' brief monologue at the end of that movie, I actually thought mm-hmm. was very effective. Yeah. And, and that ending, that last shot, is good. But I just, yeah, I just. At that point, I'm like, this is unearned, but okay. <laughs> I, and that's that's kind of the thing is what I'm talking about. Like, I, I feel like that shot at the end would be a very beautiful way to wrap up a movie that had been more focused on, like, the, the sexual relationship between these two characters as an escape sure. from the prescribed, you know, uh, roles that they'd been thrown into by their respective governments. Um, but instead, it was just like... Yeah, it was kind of like sweet instead of like truly like heartbreaking or meaningful. Mm-hmm. So the know, again, not the just, Americans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like in the Americans, like if that if the, the final season of the Americans is airing soon, and if that was if there was something like that in the Americans, I'm I'm almost certain that it would have me crying. Um, I don't know. It's it's just one of those things where like I feel I feel like. You know, movies like The Commuter and and Black Panther and this, like they just they're they're doing enough differently from like the crap that we're kind of being thrown normally that I'm like willing to give them like the courtesy B or C and like be happy with them 
even as I can see within at least this one in Black Panther, all of the cooler stuff that that you could do if you weren't beholden to something like so much bigger. Like, I almost wonder if Jennifer Lawrence wasn't the star of this. First of all, it probably wouldn't have gotten made. But if she weren't the star of this, like if they had gotten someone else, like would they have been allowed to go a little a little more extreme with like the sex scenes i mean they were able to go pretty fucking extreme with the violence so i don't think we need any of that but Uh, literally all the sex in this is rape or sexual assault except for one scene i think two no because they kind of cut away before the one where she's sitting on the counter yeah okay yeah i mean i guess that's consensual yeah i mean and that's you know it's fine i guess like you know that's that's kind of the point is that like but that's what i'm talking about like that's when you need to really so in blue is the warmest color they show they show her having sex with her girlfriend like a bunch and for a long time and then let's let me let me bring up a, a better movie that does a better job with sex than any of these. Well, other let me let me, let me finish um, what I was going to say, and then we can okay. pop on, and maybe yours will have to okay. do with mine. So, like, they show her doing that a lot, and then they have her cheat on her girlfriend with a man, but they don't show you the sex that she has with that man, and that mm-hmm. annoyed the shit out of me at the time because I'm like, we don't know what that sex meant to her. Because, like, her sex with her girlfriend is, like, riotous and, like, crazy-making and obviously comes from a place of passion. And I wanted to know, like, is the sex that she had with the man anywhere similar to that? Or was she getting, like, something more from it or just something different? But instead, she just shows up and she's like, yeah, I had sex with a man. And I'm like, but I need to... This sounds awkward, but I need to be there to see that, to understand what that means for this character emotionally. And that's like what I wanted sure. from this movie. I want the like the, the coercion and the sexual assault, but I need it then to be counterbalanced by like a truly fulfilling, meaningful sexual relationship. So you can kind of say like Russia is aggressive and coercive and perhaps America is a little more like kind and seductive, like in a normal emotional way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill, what was the movie you were going to bring up? Mm-hmm. Uh, Handmaid's Tale, or not, oh, Jesus, no, The Handmaiden? (laughs) The Handmaiden? The Handmaiden, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Uh, I I have not even seen an episode of The Handmaid's Tale, and I know that's not what I No, it's not. No, no, it's not. Holy shit. Oh, boy. Uh, Ah, Jesus. Okay, anyways, uh, yeah, The Handmaiden. Um, They do a really good job of, like, like giving us a lot of uh, visual intense sexuality that also plays into the storyline and like like i just have so much respect for how that film like just uses that as a storytelling device and that we get it from multiple angles at different times during that movie Mm -hmm. to basically tell a different piece of the story and i feel like that's one of the few times recently where I saw sex portrayed in anything more than just two people just banging it out. (laughs) And, you know, that's like that film is so interesting in the way that it plays with that. That one is so much better than 50 shades gray in so many different ways. And so, 
Yeah, and and even that one has, you know, some kind of spy stuff kind of going on in it. So, yeah, there's a, I don't know, this film leaves a lot to be desired, yeah. for sure. This is like, a, you know, it's like if I, I went to like, if I went to like a dessert place and I really wanted like a great piece of chocolate cake and instead they just handed me a Hershey's bar, like... I guess I'm fine with it. Like, I dig a Hershey's bar, but, like, that chocolate cake would have been a lot more substantial and really nice and shown that you put a little more effort into trying to give me some chocolate. But again, I'm I'm not down on Hershey's bars, so, yeah, I still enjoyed this Hershey's bar. At least it's not a vegan chocolate cake. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> I, what would, I guess, like, Fifty Shades of Grey would have been a vegan chocolate cake. I, I just want to say I, I got mac and cheese the other night and forgot okay. that it's vegan mac and cheese at this particular place I got. And I was so angry. I just wanted I just wanted what to did, say it was really sad. I don't know. Uh, they, they make cheese out of like uh, cashews like and, and stuff oil? like that. That's um, fucked up. It's uh, I don't know. Like I, I've had some vegan cheese and it's pretty good. So, oh my yeah. god, well, this was not. <laughs> I have no problem with people being vegan, right? Like I just want to throw this out there. Like you know, you can be vegan as hell all you want, but stop, stop trying to make the good things that you're missing because you decided to be vegan. Because you're only making them worse, and you're only making us hate you more. <laughs> I don't think they have Full that stop. issue. <laughs> I don't I don't th- I don't think they care. I'm just like, you know, there's so many th- <laughs> They they just want to eat their pizza. There's, but you but you can't pizza. have pizza. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you can never have pizza yeah. again if you're vegan. Yeah, you know. It's just not it's just not what's available yeah. to you. But you can have you could have like aubergines in a really great like uh you know, breading with like some some marinara sauce on it. That's still vegan. But don't put some fake mm. cheese on it and try to call it eggplant parmesan vegan style because the cheese isn't cheese i don't i feel like i've i just tried to like come up with a way to segue us back into the movie by pretending this was an analogy it's not i just i just want vegans to stop lying (laughs) stop lying vegans (laughs) pretty much yeah (sighs) anyway um any final thoughts on this movie I guess the last thing I wanted to say is, did we, you know, Brian, I I know you were saying that if there was someone else in this role, whether it would have been more explicit or, you know, whether it would have been, I mean, to be fair, there's, (laughs) this is a pretty intense, extreme movie. So I just wondered if we had any brief thoughts about Jennifer Lawrence's recent trajectory. I, I know it includes a movie that I really don't like even more than this one <laughs> but uh american I, hustle I, yes american hustle but i is think, that really is that literally the one you were talking about no dude i'm talking about mother come on <laughs> oh right i've totally forgotten about that um and that's good but i guess my point would be the last thing i wanted to say is did we have any last thoughts about how jennifer lawrence is handling being a star i mean she's picking some interesting projects i think kind of. i like the <laughs> fact that the the most recent three movies that she's done have not been movies that are like trying to launch launch a franchise you know like it was passengers mother and red sparrow like 
Yeah. Those are, it almost feels like she's trying to become like the kind of adult leading woman that we don't really see anymore. And he really even like adult leading actor like that we don't really have anymore. Like, like those are the kinds of movies that I could see like, um, oh, what's her, what's her name? Pretty Woman. Are you talking about Julia Roberts? You said Pretty I'm Woman. Sorry, I, yeah, the the actress in Pretty Woman. Julia Roberts. Yeah, Julia Roberts. Like those are Julia Roberts choices from like back in Julia Roberts' heyday, I feel. Like when she would like do I don't know, Sleeping with the Enemy and then maybe like Aaron Brockovich and then like something else. Like but I don't know that like it just kind of sucks that these movies aren't like sustainable. And also, I know that people did not like Passengers. Mother was divisive as hell, but I think it was meant to be and I think that that was a brave choice. And then I don't know I didn't look at box office mojo or anything. How is Red Sparrow doing? At six million out of a, uh, he got second. He got he got second place, but I mean it's not going to unseat Black Panther. Well, at this no, point. I mean it also has could... a sixty nine million budget. Interesting. I wonder how it's going to play elsewhere. My audience did not like it. I, I heard from from Mendelssohn. He said it, it was doing well. So. Uh, I would take well probably an opening of thirty ish, forty ish million and for an R rated, you know spy thriller, I think that's a pretty good haul for, for an opening box office. I'm just wondering take. if it's gonna like play overseas at all. You know? It's <laughs> I, I it'll be real interesting to see how it does in Russia. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're totally gonna open this in, in Russia. Um no, I made six million, guys, as of March second. That was Saturday. Yes. Does that include Saturday, or is that like they published it on Saturday? That's probably Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I don't Interesting. know. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll I see don't what know. Happens. I mean, I think that she's fine in this movie. I think that she she is probably the reason that this got made. And I'm I'm always Certainly. glad to see like one of the one, she's one of the few people who I think I almost said Russia. One of the few people that Hollywood is willing to like put money behind just based on herself. Um, after Passenger's Mother and Red Sparrow, I don't know how much longer that's going to last. Yeah, I mean, which is just which is just sad because like I loved Mother, and I think that like you can almost get a pass on Mother because people are like, well, Mother was never going to make a lot of money. Um, sure, you know, depending on how Red Sparrow does. You know, but she's got another X-Men movie coming out later this year. So, like, maybe that'll give her another bump. And an Adam McKay movie that she's leading. What is that? Bad Blood? Yes. Yeah. Well, and and, I mean, yeah, it's interesting to see if Lawrence has any staying power outside of... You know, because, I mean, she hasn't opened a film by herself... And and really made it something special mm. because arguably the Hunger Games movies would have been something big regardless of her um, just because there's just so much that film pro- or that book property was so hot after after Harry Potter and everything and Twilight and stuff like that. Um, I think that would have just been a star making vehicle for just about anybody. Mm. And the X-Men property, obviously, you know, 
is what it is. And so she's been in star making properties, but she hasn't held a a film outside of that kind of franchise trapping and really made it her well, own. Well, yeah, because she was in, in she was in Winter's Bone. That was kind of her coming out mm-hmm. party. And then yes. she's in like which was just really yeah, good. like crazy and the beaver. But then a, mm-hmm. a year after Winter's Bone comes out, she's in X Men First Class and The Hunger Games is the year after. So mm-hmm. she's immediately on two giant franchises. She has Silver Linings Playbook. Was that successful? I guess that's Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I know it, it won her an Oscar. No, I mean, I, I know that, but I feel like it yeah, made yeah. money. Uh, you're talking about like box office. I think I think it made a decent amount of money for for what it is, and it is it is another R-rated film. Um, 132 I million you know, I, I, against a 21 million budget. So, oh, so yes, it was quite successful. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um. I was about to yeah. say, I think it's one of those movies that like wouldn't be successful if it weren't so small. It's weird that like, you know, like in our comic book movie world that we're living in, if you don't open to like 150 million, we just assume you're a flop. <laughs> Even if you're like a movie about a single man stuck in a room that costs $5,000 to produce. It's like, well, it opened soft with only $20 million. Um, but so, yeah, she does that. And then weirdly enough, a house at the end of the street. Is also that year. Um, I think I think that was all. Yeah, I think that was shelved. Yeah, yeah, and then they're just like, "Oh shit, guess who's hot?" Um, I don't know <laughs> if that if that um, it's apparently made thirty one thousand dollars. No, thirty one million dollars. House at the end of the street. But then after that, you get the Hunger Games, American Hustle, another X Men movie serena which, which was remember um, when serena didn't come out yeah no it came out it's a big it was a big bomb yeah that's what i meant oh basically <laughs> left no impact um it might as well have not come out yeah sure and then you get the last two hunger games and then joy which i, I, I like joy you know, i didn't see joy i saw no reason to see joy i i enjoyed it's it. way enjoyed weirder it. than you think it is yeah joy made 56 million Against a budget of sixty, but it did make forty-four Whoa. million overseas. Hmm. I don't know where that money was spent to make that a sixty million. <laughs> well, you got movie. Jennifer Agreed. Lawrence, Bradley Cooper, and other people. I don't know. Probably, Robert Yeah, Gingaro. you probably got some stars in there sucking up money. And then after Joy is X Men Apocalypse, which Jesus. is fucking terrible, and then Passengers, Mother, and Red Sparrow. So I don't know. Like I said, I like the fact that. It appears that she's just letting X-Men be her contractually obligated thing, and she's, like, going out for other stuff. Dark Phoenix is going to suck, right? Can we just assume that? Oh, Jesus. Yes. Last time they did Dark Phoenix, it was terrible. And this time, you know, they've got a rotten foundation upon which to build their nonsense. What the hell is Dark Phoenix? Dark Phoenix. X-Men. Dark oh, Phoenix. Jean Grey. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yes, Someone once explained that was, to me that was fucking botched in X Men. Isn't 3. She, it's like she's Jesus an Christ. alien or something, right? 
the the phoenix is basically yeah kind of an alien entity that takes over jean gray mentally and so it like unleashes all of her abilities because jean gray is technically supposed to be one of the most powerful Mm -hmm. mutants but like she's holding herself back and the mutant is just like nah (laughs) let's turn these to 11 and (laughs) so yeah that's that's basically it um jessica chastain is in this movie as a character named smith anyway let's wrap up (laughs) um since we're clearly not talking about uh red sparrow (laughs) she's gonna be in a movie called red sparrow and then another one called dark phoenix it would be great if her next was an adaptation of the goldfinch (laughs) anyway um so that's it for today uh hope you've enjoyed yeah she's got mocking (laughs) jay that's right Get a shit ton yeah. of bird movies. Um, Jesus. Like Winston on yeah. uh, The New Girl with his bird shirts. Jennifer Lawrence constantly in a bird movie. Some bird anyway. brain choices. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Um, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired of doing this. Let's, uh, let's, uh, we hope you've enjoyed our conversation about uh, sex and cinema and um the americans <laughs> and the americans, americans on tv coming back to fx i think this month so check it out if you haven't it's on amazon prime um for free with your prime membership anyway let's uh let's get out of here patreon.com slash the film state show give us your money and uh you could be part of our cool little slack channel discussion about everything under the sun don't forget to get your free 30-day trial of Mubi at mubi.com slash filmstage. Uh, this month, they've got something interesting coming out. It's called Fuck for Forest. <laughs> and um, I am super interested to understand how that works. So let's, uh, let's all go to mubi.com slash filmstage for our free 30-day trials. And you can understand the wonder that is Mubi. And um, we'll be back next week. When we will be talking about I wrinkle, in, a wrinkle time. in Time. Yeah. yeah. The newest film from director Ava DuVernay. Starring, um, oh, what is the name? Like Storm Reed, Oprah Storm Winfrey. Reed. Yeah. That uh, is Reese a great Witherspoon, name. Mindy Kaling. I think those yeah, are those the main names ones. aren't as great as Storm Reed. <laughs> anyway, um, literally the name of two different members of fantastic four just smashed together <laughs> that just lets you know how cool that kid is the kid's got no problems all right anyway so we'll talk about wrinkling time next week until then let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and then uh let's start with bill graham uh you can find me on uh, the Patreon Slack channel, just mixing it up. Uh, apparently, a lot of people have some some thoughts about the Oscars. I uh, like that blew up. Yeah, dear God. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, <laughs> uh, if if you're listening to this, I am about the only person that's interested in that. Apparently, that's okay. Uh, we got more Patreon members also interested in it. Um, and then you can also find me on Twitter at cablebfg. I have nothing smart to say today. <laughs> Michael Snydell. You can find me on Twitter uh, at uh, at Snydell, where I'll be talking about all of the floppy disks I have, and uh, <laughs> and you can also hear me if you want to hear me on another podcast, actually t- talking about the Oscars and how much I still don't like The Shape of Water. I'm on the latest Alcoholywood. 
I listen to it. It's a good show. Um, I, of course, am on Twitter at Brian J. Rowan. My personal site, DearFilm.net, where you can read my uh, elongated thoughts on Annihilation and what I thought that that movie best represented to me. And, uh, yeah, you can find my other writing and stuff at FilmStage.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next week. Okay.